0: Okay, has everybody got their notes ready in front of them? And uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming to the first, the very first class of the fall season. And uh, I was uh, reading a newspaper article in the Globe and Mail the other day that said that in September, uh, divorce proceedings increased by uh, about 300%. Strange, I don't know why it is about September, bad holidays, I don't know. But people seem to come back from holidays and uh, the divorce proceedings start. So I want us to start our fall season outright. And so we're going to uh, look at what the Bible says about marriage and uh, talk about uh, how we can have a better marriage. Now, if you're here tonight and you've got serious marriage problems, uh, you're going to need more than just uh, an hour and a half on a Wednesday night to get that fixed. But for the rest of you who want to just have a little bit of a tune-up, who want to make sure that things are going good, want to make sure that uh, things are getting better, and everyone said, uh, one more time, and everyone said, yeah, then this is the right place, this is a place for you. So take your notes, if anybody needs a pen, would you just wave at me real quickly, and uh, we'll be able to get you a pen. Uh, also, on the, pa- on the table, there are some uh, feedback forms. We'd be really uh, happy if you would fill that in and just give us some feedback. Let us know uh, what you'd like to change or see different or see improved or added or taken away from the session. It's really helpful for us. Okay, let's, uh, let's just close the word of prayer or begin with the word of prayer. I just ate. I want to go lie down and have a sleep. <laughs> Fantastic meal again. Thank you so much, you guys. That was really good father uh, as we as we just look at our marriages and uh, as we seek to honor you in good relationship with each other we pray god that uh, you would just fill our hearts with joy and gladness because really that's what marriage is supposed to be all about about companionship about love um, about friendship about happiness and joy and god that's what we want for our marriages and that's what we want to model to our children so God speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. OK, we'll begin first of all by saying that marriage is God 's idea. So if you just want to just write that down, uh, some people are under the impression that, in fact, uh, marriage is a man-made institution, but we read right from the very beginning in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, "To the Lord, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable." him and look more at what we read at the very beginning of the Bible but let me just say this God knows that we need each other God knows it's not good for us to be alone and so I want you to uh to look at your partner right now and say I just thank God for you you just do that right now yeah so that, that's good you can look over here that's enough no more don't get carried away um poor lean <laughs> you'll have to tell Jesse that tonight Uh, recognize tonight that that marriage is a gift from God and you have been blessed greatly if you have a spouse if you've got somebody that loves you and cares for you and vice versa so understanding that marriage is God's idea and so therefore because it's God's idea what we want to do is we want to know uh, what's what is the ideal it's God's idea. What is the ideal for marriage? What should our marriages look like? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What what does marriage look like? Well, first of all, before we go any further, I want to remind everyone that marriage is a holy covenant before God, and that's what it says in Malachi chapter two, verse fourteen. Malachi, the prophet, is addressing the people of his era. Uh, they've got just look at me for a moment. They have serious serious problems. Um, marriages are breaking down people are uh are divorcing each other Uh, malachi speaks of it as a huge violence that men are doing to their women divorcing each other and so what we want to do is we want to really be careful that we honor god in the way that we live our lives and remember that the covenant that we make to each other is before god and is binding now, I'm not going to read all this information here. I'm going to let you read that in your spare time because what, it, what I've given you here is just a bit of a historical background to the institution of marriage. Uh, can, I just, can I just tell everybody this, if you look at me for a moment? Uh, more important than any ceremony is the covenant that takes place in that ceremony. And what, I, what I'm seeing happen uh, over these past 30 years of being in the ministry, I'm seeing that people are spending more time preparing for the ceremony uh, making sure they got the right dress the right venue the right menu but they're not really stopping to consider the covenant or the contract that they're making with one another and so i want just i want us just to be reminded tonight of the covenant that we make with each other the reason we have marriage ceremonies and the reason we invite people to come to church for a ceremony is so that uh, every time you go to a marriage ceremony you are reminded of the covenant that you have made with your spouse. This is why uh, we we do marriages in church, because it's, it's an essential part of your Christian experience. It's, it's an essential part of the church experience, a, a, a reminder to you of the covenant you've made with the person that you married. Now, thirdly, I want you to recognize that marriage is a spiritual symbol. If you write that down, it's a spiritual symbol or representation of our relationship with God. And we can see that in Ephesians 5, 25 to 33. We'll look at that passage of Scripture in just a few moments. For Christians, marriage goes beyond the earthly covenant, also is a divine picture of the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. Now, Can you just look at me for a moment before you turn the page? I'm going to remind everybody that... Uh, Marriage is, uh, is a reflection of the relationship that God has with us. And you stop to consider for a moment how much you love your spouse. God loves you far more than even that. The other thing that you need to uh, recognize is that God calls men to treat their wives the way Christ treated the church. What did Jesus do for his church, for his beloved bride? He laid down his life for her. And that's, gentlemen, what is the standard that God calls us to. No less than that, to literally lay down our lives for our wives. In other words, we put our wives first no matter what, even as Jesus has put the church first. Okay, get it? Got it? Turn the page. let's take a look at this passage of scripture and i'm going to read it to you it's from ephesians chapter 5 and it's from the message translation and here's what it says if you just follow along husbands go all out in your love for your wives would you circle go all out what does that mean go all out what do you think What's that do anything and everything, do anything and everything. don't hold anything back so go all out and your love for your wives exactly as christ did for the church look at this it's a love marked by giving not getting circled by giving or not getting or underline that this is the relationship that god that jesus has with the church and this is a relationship gentlemen that you are to have with your wives you are the ones that take the initiative in giving and not expecting to get okay this is a high standard, but I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're looking at me for a moment, if you, live your, if you live your married life like this, you will have the absolute best marriage around. I always tell all the people that come to me for marriage counseling after I'm all done, I say at the end of it all, I say, and I, I hope and pray that your marriage is at least half as good as mine. And if it is, you're going to have a great marriage. Am I bragging? No, I'm not bragging. What I am saying is this, however, is that when you make up your mind to live the way Jesus calls us to live in relationship to each other, then you you will have nothing but a fantastic marriage. So it's a love marked by giving, not getting. Let's read on. Christ's love makes the church whole. Did you see that? Christ's love makes the church whole. If you want your wife to feel whole, to feel happy and joyful, then you have to love her without condition okay do you get that without condition you might want to make a little note in your margin I know if guys if you're not making the notes your wife, wives are and she will remind you of it hello his words evoke her beauty do you see that his words evoke her beauty everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her dressing her in dazzling white silk radiant with holiness and this is how husbands ought to love their wives they're really doing something, they're doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. So guys, if you look at me again, if you love your wives the way Christ loves you, you're doing yourself a favor because when your wife is happy, you're happy. Get it? That's the way you're going to have a happy life, a happy family, and a happy marriage. Make sure that you're putting your wife first at all times. Okay, any questions so far? Let's move on. No one abuses his own body, does he? No. He feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. If you just circle that, one flesh. That's what the Bible says. When you got married, you became one. That, now here's the thing. This is what, I'm, here's what I'm, I see this often. People come to me with marriage problems, and I discover after conversation after a short conversation that you've got two people who are supposed to be marry but in fact they're living like roommates they don't share a bank account they don't share the same interest they don't share the bed they don't share a meal together they live in the same house but they're not living as one listen to me if if uh, if you want to know what true happiness in your marriage is, then you need to start to think and to act and function as one flesh This is a huge mystery, Paul says, and I don't pretend to understand at all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. So guys, I need to tell you something right now, and I need you to write down this word, really important. It says at the very top of the page, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. You'll notice, if you look at me for a moment, you'll notice that the Apostle Paul is not giving the wives the instruction on how to have a great marriage. He's given the instruction to the men. Why do you think that is? I'll tell you why. Because it's God's plan, guys, that you take the initiative this is what we discover about uh, our relationship with God. God is always the one who takes the initiative in loving us, in caring for us, and in bringing us salvation. And so here's the thing if you want to have a great marriage, guys, you need to take the initiative. So if you just write down in the margin somewhere, there's a space there, I must take the initiative. And ladies, if you're the ones taking the notes, then you just put your husband's name down and say, Greg must take the initiative. Or whoever your husband is <laughs> okay you've got to get that really really important now if a man's job is to take the initiative what is the woman's job to respond to her husband that's right to respond to her husband now you as I'm speaking I'm thinking I'm, I'm hearing my I'm hearing my speak I hear hearing myself speak through modern ears and I know that this sounds really old-fashioned, and it might even, to your ear, sound chauvinistic. But listen to me. Absolutely every institution, every group needs a leader. Does every, would anybody argue with that? What happens if a, if a country, for instance, has more than one leader? You've got chaos. You've got problems on your end. You've got civil war. You need to have a leader in the home. Does, the leader, does that mean that the leader is the boss and is bossy and, and is a dictator? No, we're not talking about that at all. We're talking about, and if you want to write beside the word initiative, write down the, or put the equal sign and then write takes responsibility because that's really what a man is doing. He's taking responsibility in his home to care for his wife. You need to have a leader in the home. And here's the thing. If guys, if you won't lead, then your wife will have to take up the responsibility. But somebody has got to give leadership in the home. Likewise, if a, a wife will not respond to her husband's initiative, or will not respond to uh, her husband's leadership, uh, what will oftentimes happen is that the man will say, okay, I give up, and you take charge. But you know, you know... We put the Bible aside and just think about this logically. You know that somebody has to give leadership in the home. Now, here's what I've discovered, okay? So I'm speaking now from authority, from experience. 30 years of of doing counseling. Here's what I've discovered. If a man will not take responsibility or take initiative in his marriage or in his family, if the wife is forced to take initiative and become the leader of the home, guess what? She sees her husband as just one of the kids if a wife feels that her husband is just one of the kids what do you think that does to your romance or does to your love relationship it's it's in the toilet isn't it so guys it's in your best interest to take initiative and take responsibility in your marriage because when you do that then suddenly your wife is in a position where she can respond to you and not just feel uh responsive but actually feel romantic And guys, you know what happens when there's romance in the air. I don't need to say anything more about it. So here's what we need to understand tonight. A woman's needs are very simple. She needs to be cherished. If you could just write that down, she needs to be cherished. The definition in the Macmillan Dictionary says this. It's to take care of someone or something because you love them very much. It's to keep something pleasant in your mind for a long time. To think that something is very important and to wish to keep it. Okay, if you just look at me for a moment. So your wife, this is what she needs. Uh, I, it, it doesn't matter to me what your wife seems like to you. I can guarantee you that she wants you to cherish her. She wants to feel cherished. Here's what happens when I have a man and a woman alone in my office and I'm saying this. She immediately begins to cry. Because in her heart, that's what she longs for more than anything. And many many of us, guys, forget that or don't realize that. But your wife needs to be cherished. She needs to feel that she is the most important person in your life. She needs to feel that you're protecting her, you're providing for her, you're caring for her. I don't care how strong your wife appears or seems to you. I don't care how vocal she is about how... How strong she is! The very depths of her being, she wants to be cherished. She wants to feel loved and cared for. Anybody have any questions about that? All right. Conversely, his needs—he needs to be respected. And the way, guys, that you are going to be respected is by taking the initiative or taking responsibility. So. Guys, as, you are, uh, as you're taking initiative and as you're taking responsibility and caring for your family and for your marriage, the response from your wife will be one of respect. She's going to tell you how much she respects you and admires you. Now listen to what, look what the definition of respect is. It's to feel admiration for someone because of their personal qualities, their achievements, or their status, and, sh- and shows this by treating them in a polite and kind way ladies are you treating your husbands like that it's to show that you understand the importance of summit by not doing anything against him or her and thirdly feeling that summit is important and deserves serious attention women if you haven't learned this yet you're uh you're going to learn it tonight guys really need to feel that they're the most important person in your life and that they that you admire them and respect them and and that you, uh, you tell them how much you respect them, admire them. Guys, do you feel, is that true? Some of you guys are just like, you're in the headlights like a deer. Just, uh, is it true? It's true. It's what you need. I, I know this. For 30 years I've been counseling, and I know that this is the truth. You need to be told how wonderful you are. And my wife does that all the time. She tells me how, how handsome I am and the most handsome man on the planet. I know this because my wife has told me. She tells me how smart I am. She tells me what a good provider I am. She tells me, well, I won't tell you everything she tells me, but I can tell you this. She loves me and really respects me. And guess what? I try to do everything in my power to really cherish her and make sure she feels loved, protected, like she's treasured, like she's the most important person in my life. This is why, I can tell you tonight, this is why we have a great marriage. And this is what I want for everybody. I want everybody to experience that kind of uh, love in their relationship. Okay, so let's take a look then at what we need as, as couples. Here's what we need. We need to enjoy intimacy. We need to enjoy intimacy. The definition for intimacy, very simply, it's a close personal relationship, a feeling of being intimate and belonging together, something personal or private that you say or do. It's the sexual act. This is what we're looking for. This is what we need. This is what you need to have in your marriage. okay, everybody get it now here's something that really shocked me that has shocked me actually over the years it's the number of young couples who don't have who don't enjoy intimacy in their marriage and it's shocking uh when when a young couple comes to me for marriage counseling, oftentimes it's because the intimacy has left the relationship. And we're going to get into the reasons for that and and how we can uh, foster intimacy in our relationship. But I need to tell you this tonight, that uh, intimacy is absolutely essential for a strong and healthy marriage. If you're not enjoying that intimacy in your relationship, then you probably have a very unhealthy marriage. Uh, You probably are in danger of... Of not surviving, and there's a lot of couples that are just absolutely shocked when it all falls apart. But I'm going to tell you the early indicator of a good and healthy marriage is that you enjoy intimacy. So here's what I'm recommending to you. And uh, by the way, I did not get this idea from the uh, from the missions trip. This is something that I've taught in, in uh, counseling for years. And what you need to do is you need to create a secret garden that you can retreat to for refreshment your marriage your marriage is is your is your place of comfort it's your place of refreshment of rejuvenation if you don't have that in your marriage guess what you're going to end up doing you're going to end up looking elsewhere for it because every human heart needs and craves this intimacy that i'm talking about and absolutely everybody here tonight knows that what i'm saying is true you understand what i'm talking about your heart craves intimacy. So here's the thing. This secret garden, it may include a place. It may be a place that's just for you and your wife uh, but, or your husband, but here's what it has to be. It should be a metaphysical place that only you share. In other words, what I'm talking about, it's a place that you can go to time and again. And, and what this place is, it's, uh, it's your private jokes. How many have private jokes just between you and your spouse? Anybody like that? Just go ahead, put your hand up high so I can see it. Just Yeah, that's it. Gloria and I have so many, so many, so many private jokes that are just between us, and we'll stay that way. This is a healthy sign. Do you have private experiences that are just, just for you and your husband, or just for you and your wife? This is, a, this is healthy. This is what intimacy is all about. Uh, certain signals or looks. Gloria and I can, can be in a room and just exchange a glance, and we know exactly what the other person's thinking. Um, discussions, dreams, plans, uh, uh, intimacies, gestures, looks, expressions, activities, fragrances, atmosphere, ambience, touch, etc. All of these things, people, are the things that create that secret garden in your life, and you need to have it. A healthy marriage is a marriage that has these secret private things that are just for you and your spouse. If you haven't done that yet, you're gonna see in the homework at the end of this class is this is something that you need to start doing. You need to start developing these, these secret moments that are just between you and your spouse. Any questions? Anybody not know what I'm talking about? Because it's a little bit abstract, and I want to make sure that you get it. Anybody? Everybody gets it? Everybody understands it? Good. Let's move on then. Okay, now if you're uncomfortable with this talk about intimacy, it's going to get real bad as we as we go along or, or real good depending on your perspective okay let's talk about the common problems in marriage first of all the, the big this here's the biggie money how many would say yes they agree with this anybody just kind of yeah you can just start to wink at me and i'll know what you're talking about money is a huge huge problem in in marriages so here's the thing here's five questions for which you should be able to answer yes to all ready does one person manage the funds? Does one person in your marriage manage the funds? Because here's the thing. If, if you've got two people trying to manage the funds, then nobody is managing the funds. You can write that down in the margin if you want. It's either one person or nobody's doing it, and you will be constantly overdrawn. You'll be constantly in debt. You'll be constantly in trouble. You need to have one person managing the funds. Secondly, do you tithe? really important you say well pastor that's pretty self-serving for you to put that in there no you know what it is it's developing an attitude of generosity the couples the marriages where there is strong generosity is usually the marriage where there is a strong sense of, of purpose and a, a, a strong sense of, of common purpose in caring for meeting the needs or helping the needs of others so tithing is really important. It's got to be part of your financial plan. Thirdly, do you have a savings plan? And by the way, when I talk about tithing, this is something that, it, it, that every financial expert talks about, not just churches, by the way. Has anybody heard of Susie Orman? She's a big proponent of this. And I'll tell you, she, she'll have nothing and wants nothing to do with the church, but she understands the principle of tithing. So believe me, when I tell you it works, it really works. Thirdly, do you have a savings plan? You need to be able to say yes to this, because if you don't, uh, I can tell you this right now, you will be under tremendous stress in your marriage, and you need to figure out a way to make that happen. Number four, do you have a budget? Do you have a plan to tithe and save? Do you have a plan to pay the bills? Do you have a, a plan um, to make sure everybody, everybody in the marriage has got equal amounts of money to spend? You would not believe the numbers of couples that have huge fights over this. He'll say, well, she gets, she, she's spending money all the time, and, he'll, and she'll say, well, he doesn't spend money all the time, but, boy, when he spends it, he really spends it. Big things, big, big items. He'll, he's, he's buying motorboats and snowmobiles and on and on. And so you, what you need to do is you need to have some kind of an equal spending plan so that nobody feels that the money is being disposed of Um, in an unequal manner number five do you review and discuss your finances together a lot of couples they do not do that they do not discuss finances together now let me just if you just look at me for a moment if tonight you're having problems financially if you uh, if you're if you're in debt and you don't know how to deal with it if you can't if you're having a hard time making ends meet I can guarantee you that especially for the ladies you are extremely stressed out uh, you are a nervous wreck, you stay awake at nights, and you're really mad at him for letting the family get into this place. I need to encourage you, seek help immediately. And if you don't know who to talk to, if you don't have any counselors, then talk to me, I'll put you in touch with people that can really help you and get things resolved. But I can tell you this, that if, if you've got money issues in your marriage, then you are, uh, your marriage is not good, it's not in a good place. And a lot of couples divorce over this this number one uh, problem, money. Any questions? And please don't be embarrassed or shy. Everybody has issues at one time or another. So you need to talk to somebody who can help you with that. Okay, any questions? Let's move along here to number two, communication. Here's the second biggest problem in marriages. And we need to say this communication is the foundation of any healthy relationship. It's the foundation of any healthy relationship if you don't if you're not communicating with each other, then you don't have a relationship plain and simple as that. no communication equals no relationship. You know how many guys over the years have come to me scratching their head absolutely dumbfounded they don't know what happened, but their wife has taken off with another man, and they absolutely clueless and had no idea how it happened. And I say time and time again, when's the last time you had a deep heart-to-heart discussion with your wife? And they can't answer that question. Listen to me. If you want to have a healthy relationship, guys, you need to take the initiative in making sure that you are having regular heart-to-heart talks with your wife don't for one minute think that just because you're spending time together watching TV that that somehow uh, means that you're spending quality time together. You might enjoy watching the TV with your wife holding your hand, but I can guarantee you that that will get really old for her real quick. You need to learn how to talk to your wife. And um, there's a reason, guys, why men and women do uh, don't communicate in the same manner women and men are built very differently how many understand that tonight it's the way you were created physiologically we are created different and i put a little paragraph there you can read that when you get a chance um but i will tell you that that uh men by nature do not talk uh anywhere near as much as as their wives do except well some people (laughs) might be an exception but anyway, we won't mention names. Um, we'll move right along here. So let's, let's take a look at this. Communication, the discussing, discussing what is on your mind and in your heart. This is what true communication is. It's discussing what is on your mind and in your heart. This is the hardest thing for guys to do. Most guys, they just are assuming or hoping that their wives can read their, read their minds or, or figure it out. But guys, listen to me. If you're not comfortable talking, if talking is something difficult for you, too bad. You're going to have to learn how to do it. You're just going to have to learn how to share what's in your heart. And you say, well, I haven't got a clue what to talk about. Well, here's some suggestions. Talk about the things that are causing you, maybe causing you anxiety. Share your cares, your dreams, your aspirations, discouragements, hopes, pains, struggle, whatever. But you need to talk to your wife and tell her what, how you feel about things. Guys, if you want to write down in the margin there, uh, feelings. Did you write that down? Feelings that's that's what wives want to know they want to know how you feel what did you say Jeff yeah <laughs> do you know what it means <laughs> more important that you know what it means than, than knowing how to spell it feelings talk about your feelings and for a lot of us guys we were taught as 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 children uh, that we're not supposed to have feelings we're not supposed to have emotions we're not supposed to cry if we get upset we're supposed to hold that all in but the only only emotion that we were allowed to express as children was anger you know if we hauled off and punched somebody in the in the gut mom was horrified but dad was secretly proud look at we have got to learn what it means to express our feelings and i know for some of you this is like this is like harder than climbing uh, the highest mountain but you've got to do it okay so sharing your what's in your mind and in your heart is something that usually comes pretty easy for women And I'm going to tell you this, guys, look at me for a moment. Your wife needs to feel that freedom and know that it's okay for her to pour her heart to you, which means that as she's talking to you, it means you put down the newspaper, you turn off the TV, you stop doing your hobby, whatever it may be, and you actually look her in the the eye. Guys, there's a huge payoff, a, a huge reward if you learn how to do that, and I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But you need, you need to let your wife tell you how she's feeling and what she's thinking. And you need to do the same thing. Now this calls for vulnerability, if you write that down. This calls for vulnerability and sometimes humility. These two traits create a depth in your relationship an intimacy that will go beyond anything that you have ever experienced. So could you just look at me for a moment? The beginning of a great sexual relationship always begins with great communication, with pouring out your feelings, your heart to each other. You've got to become masters at that. More about that as we go along. In fact, everything we talk about from here on in will have to do with communications. Turn the page, please great communication means that you take time to consider how you talk to each other so here's what you need to know never if you write that in capital letters never make jokes or disparaging remarks about each other's character or physical characteristics including his or her body intellectual ability or anything else you never ever joke about that you never tell your in front of your wife or behind her back, you never put your wife down or talk about her imperfections. Likewise, ladies, you never talk about your husband's imperfections. You this is something that will destroy your marriage. I have seen so many marriages destroyed because the couple at first thought it was quite hilarious to discuss each other's weaknesses and shortcomings with each other and then in front of other people. And it's just a matter of actually not years but months before your marriage comes to an end. You must learn never, ever to make jokes or disparaging remarks about each other, especially about character and physical characteristics. Here's the next thing. Never make light of or be critical of personal feelings, confessions, intimate expressions, or any other vulnerable expressions. So here's the thing. Ladies, if you finally get your husband to pour out his heart to you, the absolute worst thing that you can do is to make a joke about it to snicker to laugh or to put him down you do that and you'll never hear from him again guarantee you he'll never make himself vulnerable to you again but i'm gonna tell you this the greater and you can write this down in your notes the greater the vulnerability the greater the intimacy the greater the vulnerability the greater the sex life take note of that gentlemen three always compliment and praise each other especially in front of your children friends and family so your kids need to hear you complimenting each other my kids always hear me complimenting their mother and vice versa it's just, this is the way we function it's the way we operate our kids know that 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 their mom and dad love each other we always compliment each other I'm the first one to say, if we have company over for dinner, I'm the first one to say, Gloria, what a fantastic meal. And I'll say that in front of everybody. This is what you do, guys. Always be complimentary. Girls, this is what you do. Praise and compliment each other, especially in front of others. And then finally, how to talk to each other. Be first. Be first to say sorry and admit your error. Be specific. Sorry alone usually doesn't work. So you can say, I'm sorry, but that usually won't cut the mustard, especially if it's a guy trying to apologize to his wife. You have to be very specific what it is that you're sorry for. She's got to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you get it. And if she knows that you get it, that you know what you did wrong, then she will forgive you and your relationship will be whole. Okay, everybody get that? Get it? Got it? Okay. Okay now is this a very um is this a very difficult or maybe embarrassing uh discussion for us tonight you're i don't know if you're all awake or you're with me here is it maybe it's me i don't know can you not see me i need to get a little bit more feedback from you okay don't be embarrassed remember marriage and sex it's all god's idea it's a great idea so don't anybody be embarrassed or shy speak up okay okay Excellent. I, now I need to get some feedback from you. Okay, here we go. Ready? What do you do when you've got a misunderstanding in your in your communication? Well, first of all, what does misunderstanding mean? It literally means not understanding the other person's point of view. That's what a misunderstanding is. It's literally not understanding the other person's point of view. This is why so many uh, marriages have struggles, and they cannot get the, the issues resolved because they the the couple does not understand the other person's point of view this is often more a matter of refusing to allow the existence of the other view as opposed to not understanding it so would you write that down refusing to allow the existence of another point of view this is extremely immature by the way to suggest that your view is the only valid view that your view is the only one that counts and that nobody else's view matters It's extremely immature, and yet we do it all the time, don't we? So we need to make allowance for the fact that maybe, just maybe, the other point of view is just as valid as yours, okay? Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? Do you understand what I'm talking about? This is where feedback comes in. You say yes or you say no. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? Thank you. Okay, let's move on to the next point. Misunderstanding is an unwillingness to take the time to genuinely listen. Genuinely listen and care to understand. So here's the thing. And I, I'm going to just give everybody a little primer in how to be a great listener. Okay, is everybody listening? Everybody listening? Yes is the right answer. Good. Okay, listen, just look at me. Look at me. To be a good listener means you look somebody in the eye and you listen to what they're saying. get it it means you're listening to what now listen if you're going to listen to somebody it means you're not thinking up a response it means you're not talking while the other person is talking do you get this to listen means you're looking in the eye you're not trying to think Of an answer or thinking of what you're thinking of it means you are you are actively listening to what that person is saying so that you could actually recite back to them what they just said how many of you can do that usually when you're having discussions I'm going to tell you this is this is a lost art and there's a lot of people that do not know how to listen they know how to talk but they don't know how to listen and there's a lot of people like that. I'll talk to them and they'll talk right over you or they'll just keep on talking while you're trying to respond. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're very careful now, aren't you? <laughs> okay, so here's, here's what you need to do is you need to learn to really listen to the other person. And here's what's going to happen. Rather than fighting for your cause or fighting for your point of view or fighting, fighting for what you believe, Now what you want to do, and guys, it's really important for you to get this, especially the guys. You notice I'm picking on the guys? Why am I picking on the guys, remember? It's because it's their job to give leadership and take initiative in their home, in their marriage. Guys, it's really important that you learn to listen to what your wife is saying, to be able to even read between the lines, to hear, listen, to hear her heart. Listen, guys, listen to me. really important. You are not lawyers in your home quibbling over over grammar and and tenses and all the rest of it to to fight for your cause. Your wife is not the official opposition. She's your partner. She's your marriage partner. Remember, you're one flesh. You're not supposed to be fighting each other. You're supposed to be understanding each other. You're supposed to understand how she feels. And your job is to get to the bottom of this. How do you feel? What do you think? Why do you think that? And if you'll do that, you will have a wife that is so crazy in love with you that you'll be able to say that your marriage is just about as good as mine. You need to learn how to listen to each other. Learn to stop talking while she's talking. And vice versa, by the way, girls, it's your job to listen to him as well, to hear what he's saying. Now, can I just tell you this? Everybody, if you look at me for a moment. Not many of us are gifted with eloquent speech not not all of us are gifted and able to come up with an answer so what you need to do is you need to be charitable in your communications you need to learn what it means to understand each other because a misunderstanding misunderstanding is is a refusal to understand what the other person is saying if you take the time to understand somebody you'll be able to understand them Guaranteed. All right. So far, so good. Okay, let's move along here. Let's get to the juicy part: sex and intimacy. Sex. Everybody, say that with me. Sex. Oh, you're 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 such a (laughs) wimp. Say it with me. Sex. Yeah, that's more like it. (laughs) Say it like you mean it, Dave. Okay, look at me. Sex is one of the most common areas of conflict in many relationships, which is ironic considering what sex is. It shouldn't be be a point of conflict, but so often it is. And here's the issue. He wants more and she wants it done right. Right? And here's the job, guys. You need to try to make each other happy so here's some hints, guys you need to connect with your wife emotionally if you want to enjoy the pleasures of sex and here's a hint for you it's called talking about personal things personal maybe right feelings there connect with her emotionally ladies you need to change your attitude and help them connect because here's the thing Guys, for whatever reason, we have this tendency to shut our wives down emotionally. And the way we do that is we don't listen to her when she's talking, we refuse to understand her point of view, we put her down, we're unwilling to give leadership. These are all the ways that we shut our wives down emotionally. You've got to learn, you've got to learn, guys, how to make sure that your wives have the right attitude towards you. So girls, you're going to have to help them because guys, we guys struggle sometimes, and you're going to have to help us. you need to have to talk to us and take us aside and say, look, it, if you want to get some, you're going to have to treat me right. Plain and simple as that. I know it just sounds like I'm talking crudely, but I get, I'm just talking straight. I'm talking to you straight and telling you what you need to hear. It's called talking and telling them how you're really feeling. Okay? Now here's the thing. Everybody look at me for a moment. This is something that I learned. uh, It took about 10 years to figure out in my marriage. And that is this. You listening? When my wife is telling me how she's feeling about something or how she's troubled by something or how something has bothered her or is bothering her, my first instinct is to do what? To try to fix it. It took me 10 years to figure out that she does not want me to fix it. All she wants me to do is... Ah, you've learned it too. She just wants you to listen to her. She wants to be able to pour out her heart to you. She wants to know that you really care. Okay, we're going to get to part three, so don't skip ahead to part three there, okay, Jeff? We'll get there. Um, uh, Part three in the notes, which is over on page uh six or seven more sex we'll talk about that in just a moment but first of all i want to talk about some of the other problems that you may be experiencing in your marriage and if you are experiencing them listen to me look at me for a moment if you're experiencing any of these these things i want to talk about in the next few moments that you need to get counseling because these are issues that i can't deal with here at this level if there's if there's uh If there's problems in in any of these next four areas then you need to get special counseling and here are those next four areas number four unresolved baggage from your youth which usually includes uh, either sexual abuse rape premarital sex pornography illicit relationships incest gender confusion uh, uh, sexual confusion physical abuse emotional abuse low self-esteem Any of these things, by the way, can have a huge impact on your marriage. And if you have anything like that that you're carrying from your childhood, you need to deal with it uh, so that you can be free of it and you can move on and have a great relationship. Number five, uh, unfulfilled expectations. This is huge. Many, many couples come uh, usually around 20 years, 25 years, 30 years of marriage, and they start speaking about the unfulfilled expectations of what they expected to get out of their marriage. Things didn't turn out the way they expected them to turn out. And uh, so you, if, if you're one of those people that is frustrated in your marriage because things didn't turn out the way you expected them to, then I need to, again, encourage you to go for special counseling. And if you need, if you need a referral, uh, you can talk to me, and I can help you with that. Uh, thirdly, resentments. If you're hanging on to resentment you're angry at your husband or you're angry at your wife Uh, he or she did something that has really really made you angry listen to me look at me for a moment this will kill your marriage if you let it if you let it linger if you let it go on you have to get it dealt with you need to deal with it you need to get over it you need to forgive each other so there's resentments there it needs to be dealt with immediately number seven infidelity again uh this is the this, this will, again, kill your marriage. Infidelity destroys trust. If you don't have trust, well, guess what? You don't have a marriage. You don't have a relationship. It's over. So here's the thing. Uh, can you just look at me for a moment again? When, when, when men cheat on their wives or wives cheat on their husband, this is not something that, that happens overnight. It usually uh, is precipitated by unresolved baggage from youth, unfulfilled expectations, resentments, Uh, poor communication skills in the home a lack of intimacy this is almost without fail the reason for infidelity in a marriage so what needs to happen is that these things need to be dealt with immediately so that you don't ever get to point seven, where there is infidelity in your marriage again this is something that requires special counseling number eight finally in-laws, children, his friends, and her friends. Look what it says in Ephesians 5.31. If you'd read that with me. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, can I remind everybody, your first loyalty, write that down, loyalty is always to your spouse. Your loyalty comes not to your mother or your father or your, uh, uh, your brothers, your sisters, your children, your friends. It's always to your spouse. Does everybody understand this? this? This Again, you would not believe how many people have problems with this. This is a huge problem in marriages. That he, and it's usually the man who's got the problem. It's usually not the woman who's unloyal. It's usually the man who's unloyal. This is why it says here, a man will leave his father and mother. Because oftentimes it's a fight between the wife and the mother-in-law. Why is that? Because the mother-in-law feels that's still her little boy and that, that, that she thing that married her, her, her son is, is not good enough for him. You know what I'm talking about? This happens all the time. Make sure, man, that you make it clear to your mother, your aunt, your sister, your brothers, your whoever. Make sure you make it clear that your loyalty is first and always to your spouse. Next everyone in your life needs to know that your spouse comes first before your friends before your family before even before your children yes did you hear that even before your children and again you know how many how many marriages where as soon as the babies arrive the wife forgets all about her husband and now pours all her energy and all her attention onto the kids and now he's forgotten about completely Okay, I need just to warn you. I need to warn you, if you're going to keep a healthy marriage, spouse comes first, absolutely. Okay, and if you don't know what that means, then come and talk to me about it, and I'll explain that to you in more, in more detail. Your spouse has got to be first. Thirdly, never, <laughs> never take sides against your spouse. That's just marital suicide. You never take sides against your spouse. You're always on your spouse's side. She needs to know it, he needs to know it. But I'm gonna tell you, usually women are pretty are pretty sharp on these things. It's the men who are pretty dense when it comes to these things. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. And here's the next thing. If you disagree with your spouse, for heaven's sake speak privately about it. Don't get into it in front of the the company, in front of the in laws, in front of the kids. If you disagree with your spouse take her aside take him aside and speak privately about it but i'm going to tell you this your kids must know that you are absolutely one in every way okay any questions so far any questions okay let's uh let's move along to part three and it says sex is god's idea now if your sex life is in need of a tune-up chances are your relationship needs tuning up first so here's the thing, if, if you're not having a healthy a sexual relationship, then chances are your uh, relationship, your communication skills need work, uh, there are other things that need work. And I'm going to tell you that uh, the, the sign of a healthy relationship or a healthy marriage is a healthy sexual uh, relationship. Let's see what the Bible says. Genesis 2:18 says, "The Lord God said, read this with me. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him." And then Genesis 1:27 to 28, let's read that. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, "Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it." Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Now here's the thing. As a rule, sexual interactions mean something different to men than they do to women. And let's read what it says there. Women like to feel emotionally connected before they become physically connected. Men, on the other hand, often use sexual activity to get connected in the first place. And then look at this. Uh, look, let's read this, what's in the box here. Ever notice how much, more, how much more he talks and listens after lovemaking? There's no coincidence there, ladies. And guys, ever notice how much more interested she is in sex after you've offered her some real listening time about something she really cares about? There's no coincidence here. So understand this. You've got to get this. Men and women are so very different, especially when it comes to sexual relations. You need to understand this. So here's what you need to do. Guys, you need to do a better job at listening and connecting to your wife at that level. And if you'll do that, then the rest will follow. So any questions on that? I, I know it seems like a, a it just seems like a, like a cruel thing that God has done to us and making us so different. But I, I, I believe there's a reason for it. And here's the thing. Because God has created us differently, it, has, it forces us to connect on an on a intellectual level and on an emotional level first. Really, really important that you connect on those levels, so that your, your relationship is not, uh, not simply sexual. Okay, so, um, so we, need to, we need to connect spiritually. We need to, we need to connect emotionally. We need to connect uh, intellectually. Um, and and it has to be strong and if that's uh, if that's the case then you will have a strong sexual relationship so look at we we've got here physiologically speaking sex is the bonding agent between man and woman during the sex during sex the increase in oxytocin causes a woman to bond intensely with her partner creating romantic attachment about the only time a man experiences a surge of oxytocin is during orgasm which allows him to bond with his partner as well This is the way God created us. However, after orgasm, a man's oxytocin levels return to their normally low levels, while the woman's levels remain consistently higher than the man's. This is why a man may be compelled to say, I love you, during sex, but not feel much like saying that afterwards, when the woman is longing to hear reassuring words of love and affection. So guys, learn the lesson here. You, in order for you to satisfy and make your wife happy, she needs you to connect with her on an emotional level. Really, really important. And understand this. Through the act of sex, you are bonding to each other. So every time, every time that you, that you enjoy sexual activity, you are bonding to each other that much more. It's absolutely beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing that God has given us. And uh, you need to take advantage of what God has given us. Number 2. Sex is meant for two people in covenant with each other. Look what it says in Luke 10:5. In the original creation, God made male and female to be together. Because of this, a man leaves father and mother, and in marriage he becomes one flesh with a woman. No longer two individuals, but forming a new unity. Because God created this org- organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate this art or his art by cutting them apart and so here's what i've discovered after 30 years of ministry and counseling people will often have emotional relational and even mental problems if they do things outside of this arrangement god has created us to bond to one other person and not many this is why people are fractured this is why people are have such emotional problems and i can tell you that 30 years into ministry, I'm seeing more and more and more of this where people are broken, they're they're fractured, they're falling apart because they have given themselves to so many people sexually. The God's God's plan or God's uh model for us is that we be connected to one person. And this is this this happens the moment that you have sexual intercourse, you enjoy the bonding between you and your partner. So, having said that, remember Uh, sex bonds people together, and so you should have as much as possible. Okay? And I've given you permission. As your pastor, that's what I'm telling you to do. That's your homework for tonight, by the way. Any questions so far? We're on our last page. Oh, yes. Yeah. Make sure your, your box is not burning. Okay, you can put it down now, yeah. Okay, let's, t- let's look at page seven. Thank you for that. Um, number three. So here's, a, here's the, something we need to recognize. If sex is God's idea, then we must accept that, number one, it is good. Sex is good. It's not bad. And you, must, you might need to adjust your attitude. Can I just tell you something right now? The the reason uh, people may think it's it's bad is because of the way they were raised. If mom and dad were secretive about it or didn't discuss it or were were embarrassed to talk about it, then you may grow up with the impression that it's maybe not a a good thing. Um, My father, uh, he's not here tonight, so I can say this about him, he was extremely ex- extremely embarrassed and shy to talk about it he he wanted to tell us about the birds of the bees so what he did one day is he said let's have devotions together uh which we uh didn't do a lot of <laughs> but he started reading about the virgin mary and then uh he used that i thought it was i think it's pretty clever for somebody who's not used to talking about such things he used that then as the sort of the springboard to have the discussion Do you know what a virgin is? And then away we went from there, and he began to explain it. Well, um, we were embarrassed about the whole subject because he was embarrassed. And this happens. I've seen this happen so many times. In fact, I've seen young couples really struggle in their marriage at first because because he or she uh, was raised to think that maybe it was something that was not good. So if there's anybody here tonight that thinks maybe it's not, a, it's, it's not good or that it's some, you know, somehow shameful or something that you should be embarrassed of, absolutely not. By the way, um, uh, we talk freely with our children about, about sexual matters, sexual issues. In fact, I invited my son even to come tonight because it's something that we want them to understand as, as something pure and good and wonderful. Okay, So you need to know that it's a good thing. Secondly, it is to be kept pure which means one partner and nothing degrading or humiliating going on in your marriage. In Hebrews 13, verse 4 8, it says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. So in your sexual relationships, please understand that never should you do anything that causes any humiliation or anything degrading to the person that you're supposed to be making love to. The next thing you need to know is that it's not evil. And again, Uh, People who have got a a past of living the way they shouldn't live, doing things they shouldn't do, Um, past sin influences their attitude, so somehow, again, they think it's evil. Uh, Making jokes about it and laughing uh, at off-color jokes. Uh, Please, let's let's remember that it's a beautiful thing. It's given by God, and it's to be treated as something, remember, something holy. Number four, it's pleasurable, so enjoy it. Okay, any questions? So we establish that. Uh, number four, your sexual relationship is the best indicator of your marital health. I'm, a, I'm amazed at how many young couples will say, "I've only we only maybe do it once a month, or 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 even less than that." That is uh, that is a sure sign of, of great marriage problems. So here's the thing. If sex is poor or seldom enjoyed, then you need to stop the world and get it sorted out immediately because your marriage may be in trouble. If your sex life is not what it needs to be, then you need to stop and make sure uh, that you get back on track and make sure that your sex life is what it needs to be. You may need to get the TV or the computer or your office or your desk out of your bedroom. Please don't use your bedroom as a place to store dirty laundry or clean laundry that needs to be folded. Keep your bedroom as a place for you to enjoy your fellowship together, okay? Everybody understands that? Uh, I really recommend that if your sex life is suffering, get rid of the TV, get it out of your bedroom, get the computer out of your bedroom so that you can enjoy each other. Okay, we'll close with this. Number four, your future, your dreams, and your plans. Nothing unites people like a common dream or vision. And I want to ask you a question tonight. What are your dreams i don't mean your personal dreams i mean your dreams together as a couple what are the things that you want to do together glory and i uh this is one of the things that we've done our whole married life we always talk about what we're going to do together in the future we've got dreams and things that we want to do things that we're working towards things that we're planning for uh you need to have that and if you don't have that uh then uh then your your relationship is not as rich as it should be or could be and so if you if you've not had the discussion yet, you need to take time and, and spend time talking with your wife or your husband and talk about what your dreams are. Do you want to go on a cruise someday? Do you want to build a, a dream house? Do you want to buy a cottage? Do you, do you want to go on a, on a missions trip? What is it that you want to do together? Write it down and start having dreams that you're, that you're looking forward to. What do you envision for your children? What, what have you planned to do with them or for them? Uh, number three, what do you envision... Uh, for you as a couple what's your what's your future look like are you going to retire together to go to the mission field someday are you gonna go work downtown at the lighthouse mission I don't know but what what's your dream what do you envision for yourselves you need to have that discussion this is one of the one of the rich parts of uh, of, of our secret garden Gloria and I have our dreams we have our plans things that we're gonna do together so here's what you need to do here's some homework for you four things number one Go home and talk intimately and see what happens. Uh, number two, you need to address the potential problems in your, uh, in your marriage. If there's areas that I've addressed or touched on, you need to have that discussion. And you need to say, you know, here's the area that we need to work on. Here's some things that uh, need to be sorted out. We need to catch these things now before it becomes a problem. And virtually everybody here tonight will have something that they need to work on, and you need to address that you need to identify what it is maybe you need to communicate more maybe spend more time together uh, but there's got to be some area that uh, that you need to address number three begin creating a secret garden by discussing the eccentricities the activities the jokes gestures and intimacies of your relationship so in other words you need to you need to identify them and you need to to rejoice in them you need to celebrate them together as a couple and if, if you want to, keep a locked journal or box with notes, cards, and other items. I have a drawer full of all the, all the romantic cards that Gloria has ever given me for, for Valentine's and for Christmas and for my birthday and for our anniversary and on and on it goes. These are, this is part of what constitutes our secret garden. And again, we read them, we are refreshed in them, and you, you need to do the same thing. Number four, I really, really recommend this. Um, you need to purchase the following books by Gary Smalley. And by the way, you can go online and order them from Amazon for, for as little as buck fifty each. You, you, they're older copies of the book, but they're still just, uh, just as, um, as, uh, as good as ever. If, if only he knew what no woman can resist, and I can tell you this, every woman that ever reads that book balls her eyes out. It's for the guys to read. Guys, you need to read that book to find out how best to bless your wife and then the, there's a book for ladies to read about your husband called For Better or For Best. For Better or For Best. And uh, on that note, I think that's it. Anybody have any questions for me? All right. Anybody? Okay, I want to just again say thank you so much uh, to Taryn and Lindsay for setting this up tonight. Again, we just express our appreciation to them. Thank you. And to Kyle and Matt and Nathan for our excellent meal. Express our appreciation. Thank you. And let's pray. Father, as we go from this place, we pray that uh, we would take to heart the the instruction from Your Word uh, and the experience of, of some 30 years of counseling to to encourage us to to help us have a better marriage. We thank you, God, for the gift of, of our spouse. We thank you, Lord, for the, the love and the companionship, the friendship that we have, and we thank you that we're not alone. We just pray now, God, that you'd be with each couple and help each one, Lord, we pray, to grow strong in their relationship to each other. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. God bless you. Good night.